1: most important. Every
3: moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact
0: that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg
2: Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly.
0: And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry.
2: So excited about this show, guys, because we've got sort of a kindred spirit, Rich Kleiman, coming up with us. This guy knows the business of sports from all angles, he even has his own competitive podcast. So we'll get into that and much more. But let's talk about what's been going on a big week in the business of sports for sure. And one thing we're certain to talk with Rich Kleiman about, given his relationship with Kevin Durant, is Katie getting a new teammate, guys, James Harden. Mm. Leaving Houston, Lynchy, and coming to New York to the Nets. This is a big deal.
1: It's a huge deal. Uh, Harden has been sort of a tough guy to handle uh, by coaches and by uh, owners of teams, but he's coming now to join a pretty good club, and there's a new big three in the East right now. And, you know, a lot of people, the obvious question is, well, there's only one basketball, and there's a lot of guys that want it. But that wasn't a problem for Golden State when uh, d- when Durant played there with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. It wasn't a problem when LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love were in the Cavaliers. It wasn't a problem for Kareem and Magic and Worthy, and it wasn't a problem for Mikhail Bird, and Power So will it be a problem for the New Jersey Nets when James Harden's arrived? I don't think so.
2: Well, you know who it's going to be a problem for, Michael Barr? The New York Knicks. I mean, if you're a (laughs) Knicks fan and you are in the Knicks front office right now, you've got to be looking at this and saying, seriously, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, the Nets at least from a moves perspective, are just running circles around their uh, friends across the river.
0: Remember when you, we used to laugh when you said the the Nets, and there was that <laughs> little yes. giggle that you used to get. It's like, the Nets. Yeah. Which one is worse? The Nets or Knicks? Now, the Nets, they are a powerhouse lookout. And it's done something else. It's bringing back big-time buzz in the New York area about basketball. We haven't had that in a long time.
2: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I think you've got a very well-run business in this case. And you've got some name brand players who are going to generate a lot of revenue for the Nets for themselves in the meantime. And we know, apologies to all of our Boston fans, Lynchie, but New York <laughs> is kind of the center of the world when it comes to media yeah. finance and all of that stuff. So uh, in any case, well, we do know one thing that will be happening at Madison Square Garden. We'll see how well it goes is... The National Hockey League. And we are going to see the puck drop. Different sort of view of it. We caught up with Javier Gutierrez of the Coyotes a couple weeks back. And, you know, a different sort of season. But the NHL, they're getting back to business, Lindsay.
1: Yep, they are. They're going to play 56 games in 110 days. There are a lot of back-to-back nights. But geographically, they put all the uh, divisions together. So the New York Rangers are going to be in the same division with the Islanders and the Bruins and the Capitals and the Penguins and uh, the Buffalo, I think. There's all, all the teams. So geographically, there won't be a lot of travel. And a lot of people are really, really excited because, remember when hockey picked up last year, they played in two venues, Toronto and Edmonton, and now they're going to be playing in the cities Most of the cities are not allowing fans in. Some are, but at least, you know, it just feels a little bit more normal because you're actually playing in the Garden as opposed to playing in Toronto.
2: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to to see how this goes. And and I think everyone is especially interested because, bar the NBA, it is a mess right now. And, you know, we spent so much of the back half— of twenty twenty talking about oh the NBA, they're geniuses, they pulled this off, the bubble, no asterisk on this championship, they got it all done, they got it all in. Well now they're facing a lot of the same issues that baseball and football faced on a professional level. I don't know how this season is going to go and and I dare say if it even is going to be able to limp to the finish because we we're taping this in real time and we're seeing games get postponed and canceled literally as we're doing this on Thursday morning. We don't know what's gonna happen here, but something's gotta change in terms of the protocols or maybe the enforcement of the protocols. What do you make of it far? Well
0: yeah, I I mean this went from the bubble and and I've said what I what I feel about the bubble. Yes, it's they're human beings, but yes, the bubble worked. Right. But now Uh, We've had several games that have been at least postponed, and you can't keep having this. I know that the NBA took a page from the NFL on scheduling the the games and having holes where you can slot this back or this or that, whatever. Well, you've had so many games postponed already, this, this is causing a problem.
2: It absolutely is, Lynchy, and you know, I, I wonder, and, and I'm lifting this directly from something I heard Bill Simmons talk about on, on his podcast. This could be a real test for for Adam Silver, who, you know. Gets all these plaudits from the owners and the players about being a great commissioner, but he's going to have to make some tough choices. He may need to find his inner Goodell here, and yeah. you know, and really start bringing the hammer down on these guys because you do have folks, including the newest arrival at the New York Nets, who have broken protocols, and yeah. you know, some financial consequences if there. But it's got to be different if they're going to see this season out.
1: Well, they're trying everything they possibly can. Now I think they're going to put masks on players on the bench when they come out of the game. Uh, Originally, it was only the coaches and team personnel. I think they're going to eliminate shoot-arounds in the morning. They're not going to allow players. You know when someone makes the first of two free throws, all the teammates come in and give them a fist pump? They're going to eliminate that. And the post-game hugs with opponents, that's going to be out. And it's kind of funny. When most people watch tape, they watch the game action. In the NBA office, I know that they're watching what happens during timeouts, what happens pregame, what happens postgame. And it's going to be like the NFL. They're going to come down and maybe just hit someone hard with a with a fine to send a, a lesson. And it worked in the NFL And there's no bubble. And the other thing is there's only about 12 to 14 players on a roster in the NBA. Right. You can't afford to have four or five guys. In baseball, remember they had that taxi squad of 25 players as a backup? There were 53 guys and more on an NFL roster. So you can can afford to have two or three guys, uh, four guys that have it. But basketball can't because of the depth and the roster.
2: That's a really good point. Yeah, and there's just a lot at stake. You know, they are trying to get in 72 games, and yep. they have built in, as Mark Tatum explained to us just a couple weeks ago before the season tipped off, they've built in a, a lot of flex in the back half, but uh, they're going to have to make some different decisions, it feels like, going forward, Michael Barr.
0: Yes, they are. And uh, the biggest thing that they're going to have to worry about is, and, and you mentioned it right from the get-go, is that... Out of uh, the four major food groups, Adam Silver is the one that the NBA players like the best. And maybe that's going to change if uh, Silver has to crack down on trying to get these guys in line to, like, look, follow the rules. Because if you don't, the whole league's going to blow apart. So please, do what you got to do.
2: Today, totally psyched to be speaking with Rich Kleiman. He is the co-founder of 35 Ventures, a guy I've gotten to know a bit. I certainly listen to his pod all the time, read what he's doing on the boardroom. So, Rich, really nice to have you with us and uh, very timely to have you with us because, wow, it has been quite a week in the NBA. Even we're taping this on a Thursday morning. Even the last 24 hours uh, have been nuts right here in our backyard and with the Nets. Tell us what's going on.
3: You know, I get to I get to you know get as close a view to what goes on behind the scenes in the NBA without being an agent and without being uh, you know an NBA exec. I mean, I manage Kevin, so I get to see all of this, and the excitement of it is really incredible. And listen, it's it's uh, the NBA is now like no trade I think really shocks fans. But yesterday, I think fans around the league were really in like disbelief at what just went down, even though it was rumored for so long. Yeah.
0: I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought it was just talk, and this was, oh, okay, that's nice. Gives the sports world something to talk about. And all of a sudden, bam, it happens. And now the Nets are this super team. Uh, I'm just wondering, do you think that they're the team now that's going to win it all?
3: Well, I mean, listen, I, uh, I, I work with one player in the NBA, so I'm always going to be biased and think that the – that KD is on is going to win and um, you know and they got three of the best players in the NBA and we, we've seen that in the playoffs like having superstar players that can get a bucket whenever they need to um, especially two of them that have won a championship one of them that's played in conference finals they look great but I also know from uh, watching the NBA so closely that like there's a lot of things that come into play and it's, it's still brand new so you know I guess the way you got to say the safe way is to say that the champ is always still the favorite, right, to the Lakers. But obviously I'm biased. So, you know, I feel good about the Nets and the move they made. But still a long season. And also, this year is so odd. Like, I'm looking at the ticker as we speak, and it's it's just so it's scary at times to, to see what's come of, you know, obviously our whole world. But when you see the, the ticker at the bottom of Sports Center just kind of talking about the games that are postponed, man, there's just so many variables to, like, do anything but just play you know like play one game at a time and i think for kevin especially after missing so much basketball like obviously he's excited and and i think he feels good about his team but he really is just enjoying being back on the court and you know that's the best mindset i have
1: right now especially with what's going on Rich it's Mike Lynch up here in Boston obviously we're not very happy that uh, James Harden is coming to the east (laughs) we got rid of LeBron we got rid of Kyrie Leonard we sent them out west and now uh, here comes Durant and here comes Harden and you know one more obstacle to get to the NBA Finals (laughs) Um, knowing Kevin the way you know him uh, he went to Golden State and everyone says well there's only one basketball for Steph Curry Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant the same questions are going to arise with the Nets do you foresee any issues at all in terms of uh, three big personalities and and, and just stars sharing one basketball?
3: No, I mean, everything is like, just like in business, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of people having to understand what each people, each person needs, you know, some James and Kevin have played together, but it's been a lot of years. And then there's other players involved. And you have a new coach who, you know, was perfect for this situation. is perfect to manage, um, you know, the different players involved, but, No, because, you know, these kind of things these days, when these three guys um, and any of these superstars, when they join up, you have to understand that, like, it's done with thought. It's done with, like, them understanding that, like, yeah, of course I can go into a situation and change the kind of player I am. That's why they're so good, you know? So when I hear people say that, like, James never played in the system, no, he did play in a system. That was the system. And he can play in any system when you're that good. And Kevin's shown that, you know, and Kyrie showed that in Cleveland. So, you know, I actually think there's no three better players, obviously, on paper to a fan. They may not quite understand the intricacies of like how it can work on the court or they don't slot a natural position on paper. But when you have players of that caliber that understand the game at the level they understand it, there's nothing that can keep it from working. You know, it's really just how far they can go. I mean, You know, and like I said, that comes with all the other different variables, and there's other great teams.
2: You know, Rich, one of the reasons I love talking to you is you do approach this from a business perspective. And so I want to ask, you know, as you look at at the Nets as a, a franchise and you look at these players as brands, what does this do for KD? What does this do for the the sort of the brand of the Nets as it is clearly ascendant? I mean, you're a New York guy. I mean, you have seen up close and personal, you know, this team and this brand sort of eclipse that other team that plays across
3: the river. Yeah, well, no, I don't, you know, again, if I make the analogy as it relates to business is, there is never one person in a space that completely monopolizes it. You know, there are monopolies, but there's always others. And, you know, I don't, whether they've eclipsed them or not, I think it's the Knicks haven't come down in popularity, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. just that the Nets have risen in popularity and, you know, the Mets and the Yankees, for instance, like the Yankees are clearly the, the, the legendary historic team in New York and they've won, so much more than the Mets have. But the Mets are not a bad franchise. And Mets fans love the Mets. And then, now, well, now it's a different story because now my boy Steve Cohen is there and the Mets may actually take over the Yankees. But <laughs> my point is that I think the Nets now are a different, unique, incredible, big brand. And they're actually like a global brand, which they never were before. But in New York, it's not like goodbye Knicks here's this big next band. It's just like, here's two monster brands based in New York.
0: When we talk about basketball, the state of it in general, uh, where do you see it going now? Because there have been problems with the league and COVID outbreaks. Last season, it worked fine in the bubble. But this season, there have been numerous postponements. Where do you see the future of this season going?
3: Well, I only know what I hope. Um, I hope that obviously the NBA has, um, you know, has the ability to withstand and continue to fight through because even with what you saw in baseball and football is there is a little bit of a leveling off, you know, baseball in the beginning. I think we all thought there was no way it would end. Um, Football somehow has pulled it off and the NBA was, seamless in how they put the bubble together. This is a new animal. There's also this new strain of the virus right when the NBA is starting. And everyone knows, at least from what it's been reported, that strain is more contagious, doesn't mean it's more lethal in any way. And I think that you have the healthiest athletes in the world. And while there may unfortunately be postponements and players missing, that's the variable like that we were talking about. Not an asterisk, it's a variable because it just becomes a hurdle. And you have to adjust. And I hope that, you know, this is what we're all having to do right now. It's just adjust. Like, we're on a podcast right now. You know, we're on a show. You guys have to keep working. And I think that they're going to find a way to continue on. I think that's exactly what will happen. And, you know, hopefully with a new administration and a new level of calm in our country and a new, like, priority being put across the board to the pandemic, first and foremost, over politics and elections and stuff, I think... It can only go up, and it can only get better. Yes, cases may go up in the short term, and we have to be cognizant of that, but like, you can't. I don't think they shut the NBA down.
2: And Rich, I feel like we came in hot with you talking about all the news today. Let's take a beat if we can. Remind us what 35 Ventures is because the ambition, it feels like, has really just continued to accelerate. Tell us where you are at this moment with it.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I think 35 Ventures has become the holdings company for, you know, Kevin and my ambitions. And that's, you know, to do a multitude of things in the venture space, in the media space, in the brand space. And we've continued to do so. We've really amplified the boardroom brand and added multiple verticals and really putting a a bigger push behind that this year. And we've had a handful of sponsors that have, um, you know, invested into it. And then we continue to work on our, our full-length docs. We have a scripted series at Apple that should release this year. Our foundation and the Durant Center in PG County are continuing to be a focus. So, you know, I think things will throughout years will be fluid and things that become the focus of our attention, you know, like the Philadelphia Union, and that's the MLS team that we invested in. I think at some point throughout the year that becomes very top of mind. But it is really you know, a holdings company for our ambitions, you know, and I, and I think that we've created this incredible like-minded group of people to help us bring that to life and to collaborate with us. So, you know, we intend on staying relatively nimble, but some verticals of our business are growing where we're hiring people dedicated to that. And, you know, we'll keep building and doing this as long as we can.
0: Take us back to the beginning, if you can, with the old black and white photos and how this whole thing started. (laughs) Can you tell us how it began?
3: Well, I was fortunately born to color photos, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this um, is the part of the show, so,
2: Rich, where where uh, Bar always shows his he, he outs himself as a geezer by his own admission. But go on. Well,
3: <laughs> well, I can't, listen. I couldn't go up for that ride with you, man. I'm, I'm
1: forty
3: four, and for at least like another six or. 10 years, maybe I can at least pretend that there's some youth in there, but you know, I grew up in New York City. I'm an avid sports fan. I couldn't really you know, function and focus in school, so it wasn't for me. I tried my hand at, you know, different entrepreneurial things that, you know, were never going to lead me anywhere, but I had a great network of people. I always kept in touch with a handful of people I grew up with, and I went out of my way to meet people that were in successful positions, and when I um, got asked to help a friend of mine with a internet company, a dot-com company at 22 after not finishing college and really messing around, I, I helped them raise money. We helped it bring it to life, and at that point, I feel like I had really gotten my education, and right after that is when I kind of started my um, career, and I worked in, in TV. I worked in um, music. I managed artists. I worked for Jay-Z. I produced films, and ultimately I wanted to get back into sports and when I did at Rock Nation, I was able to bring like all of that experience um, that I had had and all of my multitude of of jobs and all within the entertainment business. And when I moved over to sports it was like my childhood knowledge that I really always followed sports. Like it was my my business and then my real kind of lessons and experiences I had learned and the network I had learned and building in the entertainment business really combined and really put me in a great position at 35 to just be in the sports world. And I met KD and I was his agent and manager at Rock Nation for a while, a handful of other athletes and artists, but ultimately I wanted my own business. And, you know, and that's a tough thing for any entrepreneur when you're working for a great organization is, you know, how scary it is to go off on your own. And I had kids at that point. So, you know, Kevin believed in me. And so, you know, about five years ago, we joined forces and started building 35 ventures, um, so, that's, you know, that's the the
1: quick story. Rich, you've got uh, Kevin in New York now, so geographically you guys are, are close, but now that the season has uh, is is underway, what is his involvement in, in 35 Ventures uh, during the regular season?
3: Um, well, I mean, we built the company for Kevin to always be the forefront of everything we do, but not necessarily have to ever be the face unless it was appropriate or something he wanted to do or build. And You know, when he was in the Bay, I spent a lot of time in the Bay and was able to build a network there. In New York, obviously, I already had one, but when Kevin got here last year, a whole handful of new people, you know, started approaching themselves and coming to the table with cool opportunities. And, you know, Kevin is one of those people that he doesn't check out from life when the season's going on. It's just like anyone that's, you know, has their job is about balance. And we understand that here. And, where it's needed. He'll hop on calls and stop by the office. You know, me and him talk every day. So I share things in like real time. So it's really more about, you know, how great his memory is and he stays in touch with everything happening. And, you know, just his point of view at times and just his perspective is really helpful. And then, you know, like with his podcast, when he goes deeper on something, then he's all in, even if it's during the season, because you know, he can really manage both very
2: well. You know, Rich, you touched on this a, a few minutes ago, and and I want to dive a little deeper because it strikes me that that your experience is especially relevant given what we're seeing, quote unquote, like in the culture, as it were. And, and I think about the development of athletes, brands, and their role in social justice, their role in influencing. I feel like you probably saw a version of that in your previous career, as it were, earlier in your career, when you were, you know, managing musical artists, can you draw some connections there that to help us understand sort of that
3: evolution? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's obviously well documented and and both literally and figuratively about the connection between um, you know hip hop and the NBA and how much influence one has had on each other. Um, but from a business perspective from a brand perspective, I think that rap music and hip hop music and that entire um, kind of burst of this, you know, music culture and everything, eighties, nineties, 2000s, had the direct impact on what you see athletes doing now with their brands. And Jay Z, for instance, which I had the, you know, a luxury of being able to to um, watch firsthand. To me, built the most flawless business and never, ever, ever veered from who he was and built something and impacted so many different parts of the world of business by staying true to himself and really like leaning in on his taste and his style and his aesthetic and his gut. Always like talked about his gut and then owning it all and then building into all these different verticals. And LeBron now has done that flawlessly in the NBA and has impacted so many other athletes to do the same in their own vein. But you saw the Dr. Dre, the Puff Daddies, the Jay-Z, the um, Jimmy Iveens you know, on a, on, a bigger, on a bigger level in that he was running the label. But these guys were building businesses that now you see throughout the NBA that is a model, I think, throughout entertainment, which is that, like, my brand now becomes an entire enterprise. And um it's really incredible because i got to watch it and live it you know the artists i managed meek mill Wale, solange artists like j cole that i was able to a and r his album um or be a part of a and r i don't claim any of that but you know for me i i saw like all of those artists starting to do similar things and they don't all have to be Jay-Z, right? And then the NBA now, everyone doesn't have to be LeBron to have to have their own enterprise. And, and that's, you know, and for me, this is just going to continue on and on and on. The agencies though now are hip to that. And CAA is not like, I don't understand this new model. It's more, we can create that model for an athlete and bring in the athlete's manager and create an infrastructure. So, you know, I think this is t- truly the future of it all.
0: There are numerous media projects that you guys have going on right now, but one that really caught my eye was Q-Ball. And, and what it is is, is that uh, San Quentin State Prison, they're hardened convicts, and they're trying to take their shot at redemption, and they're trying to navigate through personal struggles bonding through basketball take us through that because that that's really a, a great idea
3: well so it's a it's a interesting story when kevin first went to the warriors uh, bob myers asked kevin and myself to go to san quentin because the warriors had gone a few years in a row i think since mark jackson had been the coach and they go to san quentin early in the season and there's a basketball team that Calls himself the San Quentin Warriors, and they scrimmage with them. And it's not the actual Warriors that scrimmage; the players visit, but like the assistant coaches, some of the coaches, and Bob plays himself are, are all ex-players. Then Joe Lacob's sons would play, and um, you know when Mark Jackson coached, he played. I think Steve Kerr might have played, and these guys play in a real game. I mean, the San Quentin Warriors are incredible. Kevin and I went there, and I mean, we walked through Death Row. We walked through places that like I could never imagine seeing. It was a, a Unbelievable experience in in so many ways, so many different emotions. And Kevin really was just Kevin, true and true himself, talking to all the inmates, having these incredible conversations. I remember Draymond was with us, and I think he was playing uh, Spades or something with the inmates. It was just incredible for me to watch. And um, randomly, about two years later, a really good friend of mine, a producer, Jamie Patricoff, told me that him and uh, um, another director were working on something a documentary called cue ball in san quentin and they had distribution already but they really needed someone to come in and amplify this project and really bring it to life and try to tell some of the stories and host screenings and and also help them with more access in san quentin and it was like completely odd and unique situation because they had no idea that we had just visited so um we kind of helped them just bring that to life. And this um, director, Michael Tolan, did it. And it really was a special doc. So I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet. But you guys should watch it. It's a really amazing story. And one of the inmates who got out ended up getting a tryout for the um, Warriors G League team.
1: Mm, good. Hey, Rich, talk to me about the boardroom and its and its different tentacles. I find that fascinating. That's something that uh, that you guys are deeply involved in.
3: Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. because That's really like our baby. You know, um, I'm really fortunate to be in this position, like because I managed Kevin Durant, I was able to um, have a platform to be able to do all of these things that I love to do throughout all these different um, forms of business. And as a kid, you know, I had all these entrepreneurial goals. I wanted to be in sports and there really was no traditional conventional way that I was going to be able to take to get there. I wasn't built for that. And I think today you see so many kids and so many people inspired by so many different you know, entrepreneurs that have, you know, started their careers in different ways that they never imagined that you could take. And in the sports world especially, there were so many new entryways to work into in, in the business. And it included art and fashion and, and technology, but it still was rooted in sports. So I figured that there was an opportunity to create a brand and a platform where you really could get the information on what was going on in the sports world and sports business world in a different way than you would get from your traditional kind of business or sports business outlet. And it's really evolved now into more of like a, uh, what we hope one day is like a Gen Z Forbes, where we're really like talking about um, the world of sports business and culture in, um, you know, in the way it looks to us. And we have podcasts, we have original video series, we have a newsletter, we have a, a college series and a trading card vertical and Um, You know, we didn't raise any money for it. We really built it as like a fabric of our business, and it's really started taking off. And we're launching our new site, Boardroom.tv, which will be housing all of this in like a week or two. So, you know, I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'm really excited about it.
2: So, Rich, as you guys sort of go through and you assess what to do, what not to do, I mean, help us understand the screen. You know, what are some of the basic questions that you're asking? Because I would imagine... You know, folks are coming at you all the time. The world is your oyster. You know you've got huge brands backing you already and and associated with you. How do you decide like what's the general process?
3: First of all, like recently, someone that I respect very much, um, R.E.A., who's the head of Lion Tree. Sure. Told me that I Are needed to redo. Yeah, my, yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, he told me I needed to redo my schedule and make my schedule seventy percent offensive and thirty percent defensive. And what I realized was I was taking like a massive amounts of calls of incoming ideas, and I did think that I had a great filter down. It was what I believed we had the bandwidth to do, what kind of people we would be working with, because it has to be good energy and it has to be good people, no matter how big the opportunity is. Is it something Kevin and I love? We feel like we could impact. And, um, you know, and from there, as it relates to us bringing that brand or that product to life, that's that filter. When it comes to a VC, and a deal we'd invest in, there's obviously, you know, a different criteria and it relates a bit to the um, the level of check size that we're doing, you know. So the smaller check size, it could be the concept, the founders, whether we could play a part as an active or a passive in, investor and then. When it's a bigger check size, we do a, deep, a bit more of a deep dive. But what I've changed now and recently is, you know, I do have a lot of opportunity, but it's not always the right opportunity. And it's not always the opportunities that are going to help bring to life some of the things that we are working on that we actually are focused on, right? Not new business, but things that we're in the weeds building. Um, and those things entail me still rolling up my sleeves and, you know, getting to that next level in business and trying to get the attention of, People that can help bring some of the things we're working on to life, and you know that's a cool position to be in. because I still feel like I'm chasing, and I still feel that hustle every day, and I know I have a while, a ways to go. But also, we we have created a great platform, and Kevin is the best at what he does, and we are now looking at so many different opportunities, and that's exciting. But I'm starting to manage it a bit more and and, and figure out like what it is that we need now to bring some of our things to life, but. You know, we never take on more than we can manage. I'm never inundated, and it's never with people that I don't enjoy working with.
2: Well, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you. Love doing the deep dive. We could talk to you for the rest of the day, but there's business to be done on your side. That's for sure. And uh, as we talked about at the top, uh, never a dull moment uh, in any facet of our lives, business or sports or, or politics or anything else. So really, really good to spend some time with you. Thanks, man.
3: Thank you, guys. Appreciate
2: it. So, guys, uh, really interesting to catch up with him. I've been looking at him for a while and trying to sort of understand what has been going on. I listened to his podcast. He's got a great uh, podcast of his own. KD now has a podcast as well. Uh, as, as we talked about, I mean, a huge amount of ambition. And listen, the world only gets more interesting if you're KD – and Rich Kleiman, if the Nets only get better and better and and get a higher and higher profile,
1: Lynchy. Absolutely, and um, you know, it, I, I always wondered when I see people coming from like the music industry or the movie industry into professional sports, will it work? Yeah. Well, we've seen uh, some of his predecessors; it has worked. And he's right. I mean, this uh, the NBA right now is uh, just a uh, a confluence of, of music culture. Uh, artists you name it i mean you, we've all been around nba games before a game if if the united states senator walked into an arena and a rapper walked into an arena the players would gravitate right over to the rapper and want to yeah. have their picture taken with him or her and uh, and he's you know he's got great business acumen and he's got a guy Whose reputation is pristine? Yeah, uh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Durant's. He is a, known as a good guy and a philanthropic uh, guy uh, as well.
2: Unless you're in Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah, <wouldn't you? laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I
1: may, I may feel differently come the uh, the playoffs in the, <laughs> yeah, and I the, gonna say, the <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say. No,
2: I mean, no. You're exactly right. I mean, I've, I've actually been reading a book about Katie recently, and uh, it, it is amazing. Like he he is seen as like a really like good dude, and and it's yeah. it's. interesting to hear rich talk about that and and reflect it in terms of you know what they choose to do bar
0: oh yeah and all their media projects and again i i'm really impressed about Cube ball I, i really want to see that uh when when it makes its debut and it's because it's all about it yes people screwed up when they and that's how they wound up in prison but if you can redeem yourself that's what prison is supposed to be, and this kind of program here seems like that's the way it's going to work.
2: Yeah, really, really interesting interview. So uh, do check out uh, his podcast after you listen to ours, of
3: course.
1: My goal is if you want to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since I'm a kid. It feels better to be
3: number one than number five. I'll wear the number because of Mike.
0: We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, here, we, here go. we go. We've been talking about Kevin Durant uh, through this whole show. My question is very simple, gentlemen. How tall is Kevin Durant? 6'8".
1: <laughs>
2: uh,
1: Lynchy, You know, I remember he, he was possibly a uh, lottery pick for the Celtics, and I remember where they going to play him as a swing forward or center. Uh, close to 7 feet. I'm going to go... Six ten.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't really. I, you know, every week I feel oh, like six, I li- I I like Lynchy he less hit, and less. He hit a ten on the nose. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> oh Lynchy, Lynchy, Lynchy! <laughs> I feel like there's some sort of cabal going on here.
1: I thought it was gonna be, you know, how much is the did he pay for a townhouse in Brooklyn? Yeah, exactly. Like Brooklyn. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was be. yeah
2: exactly. Um I tell oh. you his I mean the we didn't get into this with uh I am just I'm just trying to like soothe my wound here. Um but, you know, we didn't get into as much of like the investments that they've made. I mean, you know, they invest in like postmates. I mean, it's it's fascinating yeah. to see the the tentacles I think somebody I think that was the term you used uh, Lynchy earlier so uh, yes. anyway yeah six ten your tentacles can go wide can go <laughs> wide that <laughs> wingspan. There you know, when we go.
1: were kids, if someone was six ten, they couldn't dribble the ball twice without bouncing off their knee or their foot. And I this know. guy, you know, handles it like Marcus Haynes in the Globetrotters. Yes. You know? yes.
2: Yeah, lot lot to uh, lot to look forward to. I mean what a timely interview too to get rich on the day uh, that it, that it's all happening for uh, <laughs> it's all happening for the Nets. So we'll see where that goes.
1: Great job by our producers. Yeah, it was good get. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Well you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week At the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts, those drop Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays and tune in on Monday and check out our podcast feed as well. A special edition for Martin Luther King Day, we catch up with Curtis Granderson and some of the guys who put together the Players Alliance. It is an alliance of black former and current Major League Baseball players doing some really important work. And uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation uh, with Curtis, Chris Young, Chris Dickerson as well about all the work they're doing. In the meantime, I'm Jason Kelly. Find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News.
1: And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy
0: WCBB. That's right, Lynchy, our Houdini. I'm Michael Barr <laughs> on Twitter at Big Barr Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.